If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Rhodes and recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. Yo, welcome into the podcast. It's the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network on a Tuesday. We've got Jeff Woody here. We're going to do a new podcast on a weekly basis. Uh, we have a working title for a name, mostly on track. That is being workshopped as we speak. It could change by the time that I post this podcast. It could change by the time football season rolls around. We have no idea. It could change by the time that the podcast is done being recorded because we've asked for opinions from people. And then we started to record without waiting for them to actually weigh in with their opinions. So at least right now, you're listening to Mostly On Track. By the time you get done with this episode, you might be listening to something completely different. Recording in the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Studios, as always, the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network, fueled by our friends at Cody Road. We got uh, a couple topics that we're going to hit on. Basically, what we're going to do every week, just bring a couple stories that are, are piquing our interest uh, in the middle of the week, and we'll talk about them for approximately an hour, maybe more, maybe less. I don't know. We'll just see where, see how it takes us. We're just going to let the, uh, let the energy flow, man. Like just let, just let the vibes go, dude. And I'm sure that there's somebody out there that's saying, well, what about fart? What's going to happen to fart? Fart is not going anywhere. Football and random things will live forever. We will regularly still fart. We will regularly still fart on Mondays during the football season. And then the thing that we got into though is during the during the football season, we have like fart is really specific to Iowa State's past game and upcoming game. And then like you can get a little bit of the context of what happens outside of just, you know, Iowa State played Oklahoma State this weekend. What happened to cause the outcome that it did? What you looking forward to the next game? Here are the things that are going to be going into it. And all those things are really good. But there's also stuff that we're missing out on, because especially as football season like gets to a close basketball season starts to pick up and there is other there are other topics within the NFL especially because now like half the Jets roster is our Iowa State grads so you have other stuff that we just don't have the time to talk about during fart so fart will happen regularly as your scheduled 
as your scheduled farts on Mondays during the football season. These will come out Tuesdays in the summer. And then once football comes, once football season comes around, you'll fart on Monday and you'll have mostly on track on Thursday or whatever it ends up, whatever we end up making this, that'll be, it'll be Thursday during the football season. Thursday during the football season. At least that's the plan for now. We got some other things in the works. Chris and, Chris and our friend Brent Bloom got some more things in the works. Maybe they're going to be bringing you some more content. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. It's hard to get those guys to create some content sometimes. I don't know. You're, they're busy. They're busy guys. They're busy guys. But uh, also, if you put microphone in front of Chris, it's sort of like uh, it's like giving a, a, a golfer a golf club. You're, they're not going to not swing it around. Like You can't not swing that around. With a swing around a golf club if you're a golfer you put a microphone in front of chris he's going to talk for a while yeah so i don't know maybe keep an eye out for that here in the next couple of weeks but uh for right now you're going to have uh me and jeff here every tuesday uh throughout the summer this week uh talk a little bit about the continuing saga of sports gambling in the state of iowa uh we're going to talk about the nba playoffs obviously with the denver nuggets advancing to their first nba finals last night uh sweeping the los angeles lakers talk some conference realignment uh some maybe my rankings that i put out on monday of conference realignment possibilities for the big 12 uh and then i'm sure we'll we'll find some other things that we'll talk about as we go along uh do you want to start with uh the sports gambling Yeah, I think so because it's one of the, I'll I'll get texts here and there, especially, so I, I jokingly refer to myself as a Christmas elf. And I've said this on fart plenty of times where like Thanksgiving gets over, Christmas decorations go up, people need a Santa at the mall. And I am that, I'm the, I'm Santa's helper. So during November to Christmas, I'm very in, very in demand people like hearing me. But when it comes to, when it gets outside of that time frame, people don't really care about Santa and the Christmas elves. That is me in football. But there are people that because this does sort of bleed into it, I've gotten a bunch of different text messages. So if I've not really had the chance to even discuss it with a bunch of people because it, it happened a couple weeks ago, but it's not gone. And there are ramifications that are going to that are going to come from it. And I think there are interesting things that that um, are going to be affected that we won't have an idea that are going to be affected. You know, so for the listeners that aren't super sure, do you want to catch them up on? what what is actually going on in the sports gambling sort of investigation or setup yeah so as far as i know right now i mean i think they're basically in a step of of wait and see uh i think they're waiting for all of the information necessary to be able to report to the ncaa which is when they would start the student athlete reinstatement process which is just a basically an adjudication of you know how many bets were placed how much money was play was bet what kind of bets, what were you betting on, all those kinds of things, which then ties into what kind of suspension the NCAA will levy. Because I think, you know, that's what I think people need to keep in mind is that this is now is an NCAA issue, you know, as much as it is a legal one. And I think that or probably more than it is a legal one, frankly. Uh, but I think, you know, I, I was listening to an interview yesterday with Rick Heller, the baseball coach at, at Iowa. Obviously, they're pertinent in this story right there in the central framework of it. You know, we're the first ones reported to be involved in it. And, you know, he basically just said right now we're waiting to get all the information we need in order to, you know, make decisions. Because I, th- I just think right now they don't have anything that they need. You got to wait for reporting from state agencies. You know, like there's a lot that goes into this now that I think that they're just kind of waiting and seeing what's going to happen to 
the whatever 41 I think student athletes that are wrapped up in this current student athletes that are wrapped up in this and I and quite frankly I don't think we're going to have answers on any of this stuff for quite some time and I also don't think you're going to have answers on who did what and when because it, we like, probably never will like what you're going to get is there's going to be um you're going to get a violation of team rules like that's going to be the the suspension that's levied by somebody so you know if you have a guy who misses the first quarter or the first half or the first game and it's just a violation of team rules that team rule could be anything uh or it could be something more serious that like we would have this is kind of, kind of comes back to the suspension thing that uh there were guys with the drug testing. So there are three levels of it in with drug testing within the NCAA. At least it was when, you know, back in my day and which I love that I can say back in my day and it's far enough removed that the rules could be different. It's been nearly 10 years, Jeff. Uh, almost exactly 10 years. Yeah. This season will be, be 10 years, be the, uh, yeah. 10th year uh, being out. Cool. Haven't lost any more hair. Anyway, um, there's three levels of there was drug testing and it's performed by the same like third party. So they would have you'd see the same people what like they, there'd be the same person behind the desk. They give you the same pee cups and you go and do it. But the agency that was you all got to pee in the same cup. Yeah, the same cup. Everybody just together. Uh, it, it was uh, it was an adventure. It's like a trough at an old baseball stadium and they just put a funnel underneath it. Um, <laughs> it's, a just, co- it's just a coffee can. <laughs> I'm picturing people driving their kids to, <laughs> to school and getting that description. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Well, I'm sorry that you said they all pee. You all pee in the same cup. I, I, mean, I had to ask for clarification. It's the same cup for everybody. Uh, how do you discern it? I don't know. But anyway, you they go through the same process, but it's the institution that, it, that the drug test is for, which changes the ramifications of it. And so at the time, it was a, if it was, a, there's NCAA tests. There were conference, there's big 12 tests, and then there's university tests. And the NCAA tests were, if you test positive, it was a zero strike rule. Like if you had a positive test for either street drugs, performance enhancing drugs, you missed a year of eligibility, done. Uh, That's what happened to Mitch McGarry. Uh, was a very good basketball player at the University of Michigan. He lost a year, I think, because of uh, smoking weed. Yep. One, I mean, instant street drugs, performance enhancing drug. If it's an NCAA test, again, it's the same people like the, the contracting company that does the actual test. It's they're just the same. And so if the NCAA was the one that was taking the sample or getting the results, then a automatic one year suspension, boom, done. You, you, it's just going to be a, for that one, they're going to publicly release what it is. The big 12 schedule, uh, the big 12 test, a conference positive test would lead you to miss one quarter of your athletic competitions. So for, fo- for football, that'd be three games for basketball. If there's 34 games in a season, you'd have to miss, what is that? Eight and a half, nine games of your regular competitions that you're, that are scheduled. If it was a conference or excuse me, if it was an institution test, then that's up to the discretion of the university with whatever their, pen- their penalties are going to be. So if you got a guy who missed a quarter or a half or or a game for a violation of team rules, there was like a 70% chance that he tested positive for something. And usually it was weed. And so if you have some positive test of something that you didn't know what that was going to be for, the reason why I bring up that story is because you're probably going to get exactly the same thing is you're going to get a violation of team rules that no one knows what it's for, but you're going to have to have it imposed by the NCAA to these players who are then going to get the penalties given by the university 
or by the team for that through the NCAA. So I think the thing that is going to be confusing and difficult about this is if you're a guy who's getting in trouble for something else, like you miss too many classes over your summer school, you're going to get wrapped up in this too, because if you have to miss a quarter or miss a half because of a violation of a different team rule, you're going to also, it's going to look like you were part of this gambling investigation. So I don't know this. The thing that's difficult about it is we're like you said, we're never going to know who did what we're li- very likely never going to know who did what. And it's not going to happen um, soon unless they talk about it themselves. Right. And, and or Matt Campbell talks about it, which which I doubt he would do. Matt Campbell doesn't talk about anything. No, no. And that's where, you know, I think this happened. I can't remember if it was last year or two years ago. There was a linebacker at Virginia Tech who bet like four hundred dollars on basketball or something like that. And he had to turn around and donate all of the money that he won. And $41. Yeah, 41 it was $41. He bet 400 and won 41. Okay. On the NBA finals. Yeah, sounds about right. Uh and uh, I think his suspension was for either 8 or 9 games originally and then upon appeal was reduced to 6. Which this is another clarification. And this is a statement of facts and then I'm about to take earrings off. So the 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 any if you, this has probably been stated, and if you're familiar with this, then this is probably rehashing information. But you are not allowed as an NCA athlete to wager on anything that NCA that your university or the NCAA has a championship level of. So if you are a football player, if so, when I was playing, if I bet that Tiger Woods would win the Masters. That is a violation of the gambling policy because Iowa State and the NCAA have a golf program. So theoretically, the logic goes, if you have, if the NCAA has a championship level, then you might know somebody who had performed at that level, at the NCAA level, who is now participating in the professional levels, and you could could then coerce them or... um, have some insider information on being able to place a winning bet or point shaving has not been part of this at all. This is that that's nowhere near the investigation, but uh, you might have insider information that uh, you talked to your buddy who played golf at Kansas state because you saw them at a university get together. And then that guy is now friends with Jordan Spieth and Jordan Spieth said that he's feeling a little bit sick. So you're not going to take Jordan Spieth in the top 10. You're going to take it, whatever. Like that's the logic that it goes. The dumbest part of the whole thing is that how many title sponsors of NCAA sanctioned events are FanDuel, DraftKings, Barstool Sportsbook. I mean, all how much of how many official NCAA sanctioned things? I'm not talking about like Cyclone Fanatic because fine, like we are not affiliated with anything. But actual NCAA programs and commercials that are run through ESPN or through Fox Sports or through whatever that are for gambling apps. I mean, a lot, a considerable amount. Anytime that you watch ESPN or anything right right now, that's all that the ads are. It's either beer or sports gambling. And if you're thinking that cars. and if you're thinking that by sanctioning that by putting that commercial on your program that that doesn't de facto bless that action that's absurd. Well, I mean that's why these rules are ass backwards. Like it's just dumb. Because obviously this has been embraced by basically everyone within the sports world. And you know why? Because of money. 
hundred percent. So then why can't these student athletes, if they want to bet on the NBA finals, more power to them, dude. Like, let do your thing, you know? And I'm not saying that someone who's 18 or 19, like, should be out there placing bets, because obviously that's illegal. That's not what I'm saying. But if you're 21 years old and you live in a state where it's legal, there's no reason that you shouldn't be able to bet on something as long as it's not your own sport. You're, if you're not betting on college football, then it shouldn't matter. Yeah, and, and that's, it, it, don't get me wrong, there are some people I'm sure that are like, oh, these, this is bad anyway. Like, they But are, those are the people who are going to say sports gambling is bad to begin with. Right, and well, I'm just thinking, like, if you were, if, if I was betting on an Iowa State game that I was participating in, that's that's not good. Yeah, that's bad. That's no different than what Pete Rose did to get himself banned from baseball for life at that point. Like, that is most certainly bad. But why can't such and such go and place a bet on, you know, oh, I want, or I think Nikola, Nikola Jokic is going to have over 28 and a half points, rebounds, and assists tonight. I don't know Nikola Jokic. Like I, and why would they have any reason to know Nicole Jokic? And what, what does that prevent them from and doing? And there's such an abstraction of rule that there's no way that you can know. I mean, I didn't place any bets because I didn't have access to place bets. Like, it was 2010 when I was playing. 2010, 2013. I didn't have any access to any sports wagering at all. If it did, uh, it'd be like a... It'd I, be your CD backroom guy. Like, and yeah. or you, you have a teammate and be like, hey, I bet, you know who's going to win whatever uh, basketball game between Kansas and Kentucky. Like, Hey, I got 20 on Kentucky or something mm -hmm. like that. And you pay your buddy kit. To, I mean, the same kind of stuff that you do golfing or the same kind of stuff you do just when you're playing, when you're doing anything like that's just stuff between friends, but I didn't have access to do it. But the thing is, is the only way to know for sure that you're not involved in anything that the NCAA might deem as irregular is to not do it at all. So if you then say, FanDuel, the official sponsor of college football, the official sponsor of college, you know, college game day, the official sponsor of blankety blankety blank. That kind of seems like it's okay. Does yeah. it not? And then you have this weird amorphous rule that sort of shadows everything else that you don't know if you actually can or can't. And you have some 17, 18, 22 year old kid that, uh, he sees all that advertising and goes through your compliance checklist because there's like three compliance officers for the whole university. They don't have time to go through all the rules prior to this being a thing. You get like one sheet of paper that says, don't do these things. And another thing, again, just, it's just the stupid rules. And this is not bagging on compliance department because I like the compliance part department is doing their absolute best to make sure these rules are followed. Yeah. But the rules are stupid. They got a hard job. So, one of the other things that is absurd, and this is prior to the NIL thing, is prior to coming to camp, you had to go through and sign a packet of information. And when I say a packet, I mean 40 to 45 pages that you'd have to go through and sign stuff. And involved in that was, I allow the university to use my name, image, and likeness to promote the football program. Sign that away. Okay. What if I didn't want to do that? What if I was private about my image and I just didn't think that I wanted... Uh, I didn't want the university to put my face on a cup or I didn't want, I didn't want to be on a poster or I didn't want uh, my name to my, uh, the image of me scoring a touchdown to be used on a promotion to get people to watch the Iowa state game because I wanted my fair share. I didn't think they were giving me my fair share. What if I didn't want to sign that paper? Do you know what the option for that is? Don't play. Yeah. You have two choices, sign the paper and give away your name, image, and likeness or don't play. So what do you think people are doing when you go through that packet? is you're going through it as fast as you can because you want to play. I don't care. Just I'll sign away my firstborn if I have to, to actually get on the field. And so I imagine that the only prior to this, the only information that the guys would have gotten is in that packet day 
what are you not allowed to do? Well, I've got 47 other things that I don't have a choice in. I'm just going to sign it and move on. So there's no way that you know what is and isn't done. Yeah, should you? Sure. I'm, I'm, yes. You should have read the rule. You should know the rules on gambling. Fine. Know the rules on gambling. Where are you going to find the money to find more compliance officers? Well, they, I'm going to guess they're going to know the rules now. They're going to know the rules now, but they didn't before this. I'm sure that they probably did because I find it hard to believe that the education would not have adapted in the world of where it is legal. Are you sure you have that much faith in I'm, the NCAA? Yeah, not in the NCAA, but I have faith in the compliance people that are supposed to be doing their job. Like those people, uh, how many rules do you have to keep track of? Like A that's, lot. The, but that's literally their job. And that's one of the easiest ones. And it's, and because of how big it is in our society right now, I find it really hard to believe that there's not significant, significant emphasis put on that. Do not bet on anything. Don't even put yourself at risk. You know, like I, I know that that's what it probably is, but I'm saying that it's dumb for the NCAA to be in a position where they're going to try and prevent people from doing things that are legal in their home state. It's stupid. For people that are 21 years old to do, it'd be no different than if they said, yeah, you're 21 years old, but you can't drink alcohol if you want to play sports. How long would that last? Not very, you know, like I'm just, I'm being honest, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's where if, in my personal opinion, if someone was 21 years old and they were going to be suspended and they weren't, were willing to fall on that sword, take them to court get a appeal against them or take them to court and get an injunction against them. And then you'd compete anyway, if the school is willing to do it. Cause I don't think that that NCAA rule would be able to stand up. Well, we've already seen what NCAA rules regarding amateurism. Exactly. The how, NCAA how has handled. no authority over anybody anymore. So it's like, why would you, why, why should I listen to you? You tell me I can't bet. Why? I, I wonder, cause there is a, a substantial, I mean, uh, to the best of my knowledge, there's a lot more universities and state institutions across the country seeing what has happened with players for the lions those there's three players for the lions that that were suspended for placing bets inside the lions building yeah which is stupid so there that and then what happened with iowa and iowa state and then what happened with the alabama baseball team and i would imagine everyone else got put on this is a defcon one alert for the presidents, the universities, the football coaches, the the compliance departments, a hundred percent around the country is you have DEFCON one, go to this. Like you absolutely need to to look into this. So there's gonna be more information. I would imagine there probably will be somebody that does challenge this higher up somewhere. Because there's not going to be one there's gonna be if there's forty one across Iowa and Iowa State, it's not the, the list won't stop at forty one. Do they still have their prohibition on marijuana? I uh, probably I'm not 100% sure that they do. They might still test for it, but I don't know that they suspend people the same way. Which, again, that's another thing of if you're in Colorado. If you're in a legal state. Yeah. Yeah, okay, they did. They, uh... The NCAA is changing its cannabinoid testing policies at, at its May 22-23 meeting. The Community on Competitive Safeguards and Medical Aspects of Sport increased the THC, thresh, THC threshold and recommended a reconfiguration of the penalty structure for student-athletes who test positive for THC. Uh, yeah, I mean, first positive test, no loss of eligibility if the school provides a management plan and education for the student-athlete. Second positive test, no loss of eligibility if the student-athlete... If the, the same thing. Uh, however, the student athlete must be withheld from 25% of regular season. Yeah, no loss of eligibility. So as long as they keep educating people, you don't lose your eligibility. 
No. Which which makes sense in accordance with the legality of it in the state. I mean, take the morals aside. This is if you are playing college basketball and I am not, the rules that apply to me should also be applied to you within reason. And if the, the within reason, meaning there is an industry that exists regarding the gambling part, there's, there's an entire industry that exists and really the integrity of the game itself depends upon everyone putting forth their best effort to win the competition, which is why things like tanking are such a problem and things why sports betting becomes such a big deal is because if you're not trying to win, if you're actively trying to not win, then whether it's the promotion, the advertising, the draft picks, the salaries, the uh, the betting industry, all those things, they, they depend on your best effort. So outside of those things, if we go to any any legal institution other than things that have a direct impact on the outcome of the game, theoretically, you should have a concept to do the same thing, me being a non-player, you being a player. Like, we should have the same rules. And so that... That is where this, the gambling thing, the sports betting stuff comes into such a dumb corner of logic. Well, and it all comes back to the fact that the student, the NCAA does not treat its constituents, which in this case to me is the student athletes, like adults, which is what they are. They treat them like children most of the time. And they think that they're stupid most of the time. It's generally how, how I feel the NCAA treats the student athletes by and large. Um, and they try to, uh, be the, uh, be the model parent, you know, be the ones that are like going to teach people right and wrong and try and say, well, we know what's better for you. We know, you know, Oh, I know student athletes that don't want to be employees. Well, I could probably find you a lot of them that do want to be classified as employees, but we're, they don't ever try and work through any of those things they're like no we know what's best for you in their mind what's best for them is to say that you can't gamble to say you can't smoke weed to say you can't do all these other things to say to try and limit their ability to make money off their name image and likeness to fight those things in court like they don't think that these people are capable of making decisions for themselves and making them be smart decisions and so they try and adjudicate those things out which is stupid well and it's it comes as a as a vestige this past summer fall I read the biography of Jim Thorpe, Mm -hmm. and it's captivating. I think it's Lit by Lightning, I think is the name of the book. It's a terrific book. And it, Jim Thorpe had his Olympic medals in the decathlon and the pentathlon in the 19, from the 1912 Olympics, had them removed from him pretty much forever. I mean, he was he was dead before any reinstatement of those medals would have happened. I think his family actually got them finally returned. And the reason for that is because at the time, the AAU, the Amateur Athletics Union, was in charge of the United States Olympic Committee. And that was who went out there was from the AAU. And while Jim Thorpe in college and high school was sort of a, a weird in the Carlisle school back in 19... 19- 10 1910. Yeah. It's like it was sort of high school, sort of college. And so while he was on one summer, he played Bush League semi professional baseball for like $6 a month so he could have living expenses in North Carolina. So this was back in like 1907, 08, when it was prior to the, like several years prior to the Olympics. The person who set that up was his coach, Pop Warner 
who was one of the people that was a, around in making sure that you had enough living expenses to actually exist. So he played baseball, got paid, you know, six bucks a week or six, excuse me, like six bucks a month to be able to play. And then when it came out after he'd already won the medals that he did play semi-professional baseball and got paid for it because he was no longer an amateur, they, they suspended and took his medals away from him. Now there's also like the fact that he was a native American and there's, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it, but that vestige of, of amateurism being a standard that needs to be bore still exists within the NCAA. It's very much the same that you're not professionals, you are amateurs, and that's what the whole thing's been built off of. So there's a direct line from Jim Thorpe to this of things that you need to, you are not, you are not professional adults, despite the fact that we're making money off of it. You are amateurs, let us handle everything. And that, that line gets really gray and really fuzzy. And I think in the past, really since the Ed O'Bannon lawsuit, in the early 2000s, that uh, that apple cart has been more upturned than it has been in a very, very long time. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Yeah, and I saw that the U.S. House of Representatives this week, so they're, you know, everybody, the NCAA continues to want the, want Congress to save them, you know, like this is just generally their stance. We need Congress to save us, need save, we need, uh, what is it they say? Guardrails. We need the guardrails put in place. Um, they're going to hear a bill on the, on the, the House floor this week. Uh, they don't have the full text of it yet, but what the bill will entail is safeguards from retaliation by an institution of higher education for student athletes who have signed an NIL, NIL deal, the creation of a new regulatory body tasked with establishing and enforcing rules pertaining to collectives, boosters, and student athlete endorsement contracts. Student athletes who enter into a contract will be required to report their agreement to this new body and their university within a specified period. Collectives, and that it just explains what collectives are, a provision clarifying that student athletes are not eligible for employee status in language providing liability protection to protect institutions from frivolous lit- litigation. Uh, basically, to protect all of the schools and the NCAA from 
having their model destroyed is basically what they're going to pa- try and pass a bill to do, but it will never pass the Senate. It would only ever get through the House of Representatives, I imagine. Well, I, I th- there's it also feels like the language in there is something that is necessary, which is, and I've talked about this, I don't know if I've talked about it like on a podcast before, um, but one of the things that I fear with like the NIL stuff, which is kind of a position, it's kind of a pivot to that is um, if I'm using the example because a story came out in The Athletic, a really, really well-written story. It was SI with Omaha Baloo. And absolutely incredible story. If I'm Omaha Baloo and I'm trying to make money off of my name, and then let's say, theoretically, uh, he signs a contract with... I always use the example because they're... Well, let's use a different example because they're not a sponsor. Let's say some car dealership in, I don't know, Waterloo. And that car dealership says, if you show up in one of our commercials, we'll pay you... and give you use of a car. Let's say he goes to do that and they don't pay him. What recourse does he have to claw back that money in the contract that was owed him? So I mean the same recourse that any American citizen has. But that recourse is only as good as your capacity to execute it. If you're a some random 20 year old kid, you have an attorney that can force the can can one force the execution of that contract and two make sure prior to signing that contract that you're not going to get screwed out of it because if you have a good a counter counsel like opposing counsel in this contract and you're the business entity and I'm just some kid that person can write up a contract and have so many out clauses for them versus you know if the weather is 72 degrees and sunny then the contract is in force if the weather is over 80 degrees the contract is not in force like you can write anything into a contract and if you're some random 20 year old kid that doesn't have legislation onto it to be able to proofread it, then you get screwed on that side. You then have to somehow manage to fight your way to get that money back, which this reminds me of that Florida uh, recruit that signed... Jaden Rashada is his name. So he signed... I mean, you the, the story on that, correct me if I'm wrong, is he signed with Florida State and then... He signed with Florida's Collective. Signed with Florida's Collective and then they promised him X million dollars, like a good amount of money. Yeah. And then they reneged on that because the boosters or whatever, the collective couldn't provide that payment to him. He's on contract, right? Would he not be on contract or is a handshake agreement? I mean, isn't that, wouldn't that be a breach of contract on Florida's point? And at which point the... Right. I mean, so then how do you execute that? Like, it, how are you? If you, So that's the thing with like the NFL. Like, that's why the reason why players associations and that's why strikes happen so often, like the NFL, NBA, MLB, whatever. That's why strikes happen, because they have a players association that is on the behalf of the player in a contract. There, there are protections that the, the, the players associations have with the owners or with the league to make sure that stuff like this doesn't happen. And if it does, you then are liable to me as you, the NFL, is liable to me, the player. Well, because college is inherently transient, you only have four or five years of eligibility. You can't play forever. So a players association can't really happen. But you can't play forever in the NFL either, and they're able to create a players association. But you can't have people that are outside of running. Like you can't have people that are outside of the but that you've are got, playing that can run it. But the guys that are going to be running it are like Chris Paul is the head of the NBA Players Association, yeah. and he's been in the league for. 
15 years now. So he's got enough long, he's got enough longevity to understand what's happening and also be a trusted representative of everybody else. But that's where I say, why can't someone like Jordan Bohannon being elected by the, or someone like that be picked as like to lead it, you know, to be the, the president of it, because they're even the NBA Players Association has somebody else that is like a lawyer that actually runs the thing. You know, Chris Paul is the president of it be, sure. with the players, and he's been elected by the players to be the president of the Players Association. But there is I can't remember the woman's name, but there is someone else that actually leads the Players Association. Just like what Gene Upshaw used to do for the NFL Players and Association. It's, it's uh, Demar something. I forget the guy's name. Who's in charge? Who's the actual attorney now? Yeah. Uh, for through the NFLPA. Yeah. But either way, the problem is, is that, that that let's say that that is that gets established at some point. It's not established now. And right now it's the Wild West for everything is that you can pay anyone anything. And if you're an athlete, you don't have recourse for it. And if you're a booster on the other side of it, if you've committed to paying this money or a, a donor or whatever, if you've committed to paying this money and this kid flips, then you should have the capacity to claw that back in some way because it's contingent upon them going through the rest of your agreement. So, like, one of the things that this particular potential legislation that the NCAA is trying to hope gets bailed out is it feels like having a regulatory body over top of this would enable more publicity and less uh, underhandedness of any of these deals on both sides. But the problem is, is again, but if who's, who's the morality on it? Who is, what's the right way to do this? You don't know. But if they take away their ability to be uh, declared employees, wouldn't you take away their ability to, to create a union? Uh, technically, yeah, I guess, I don't know. That feels like a question that you'd have to have for, you know, if you're not an employee, can you unionize as a non-employee or, I mean, I would imagine if you could have So a, many of these things could be worked out if the players union would just exist. Like th literally 90% of these issues could be worked out in, in collective bargaining. And you could create some sort of framework, like a legal framework of like, this is what an NIL deal needs to look like. And I think a lot of universities probably have. Uh, I was talking to somebody who is associated with the, the Swarm, the one with, uh, with Iowa. The Swarm as a group, and this is secondhand, so don't feel like this is God's honest truth, but I'm pretty sure that they have access to... On that and on that collective, they will have an attorney which will represent each one of the athletes by them. And I don't know if we will has the same thing. I would imagine they have access to the same thing. Of they have an attorney where if you're going to be um, contracted with a if if Omaha Baloo and that car dealership in Waterloo theoretically they have this agreement that we will would serve sort of as the counsel for Omaha in that. Their agreement yeah, congruent, to yeah. be able to provide some type of legal protection for them. So that's a lot of this stuff exists in this weird space, whether it's with gambling or whether it's NIL or whether it's with, it doesn't matter. It exists in this weird space where people have finally gone, this kind of doesn't make sense. Like, why, why are we doing this? But it's happening and no one has figured out the right way to do it. And so it's still just existing in this Everyone knows that it's dumb and everyone knows that it's wrong. We just don't know what the right way is. Yeah. And I mean, the players association thing too, like it, you see the thing last week with, uh, uh, with NCAA football, the new game, uh, coming out next year and the players will be able to be in it, but they have to opt into it. Like those are the kinds of things like who's negotiating that who's negotiating the terms of what those athletes are going to get. You know, I saw it was something like $500 is the guess, which to me, I'm going to be completely honest, explaining my full opinion. 
$500 to do something that where you literally log on to a thing and you sign up and you say, and you check a box and you say, yeah, you can use my name, image, and likeness. $500, pretty damn good payday for that. For most people. For most people. But at the end, but yes, but if you're going to be on the cover, obviously you need to be paid more money. Like if you're going to be someone that's like largely featured in the game, they're going to put your name up. They're going to put your picture up there, all that kind of stuff. Like you should be compensated for that. But like if you're you just like a, if you're the third string punter at Toledo and you can get $500 to just log in and type your name in and say, yeah, you can use my name, image, and likeness. How much more can you ask for? You know? So it's like, I understand where people are coming from, but when there's a lot of people that you got to spread this stuff around, but like none of that's been negotiated. There's no framework for any of those things. It's just going to be like, here's what you get fellas. Like, here's what we got for you, you know? And that's like, and you have no idea where any of that's coming from, who the people that negotiated any of that stuff are or any of that stuff. And I would imagine most, one of my philosophies generally is that most people are doing the best they can with the information they have. Like that's what they're, everyone's trying to do the best they can. It's so most universities, most football programs, most athletic departments are going to do their best to get the kids as much as they can. Like there, no one's out to try and stiff anybody else, but it's a, it's incumbent upon each one of these universities, each one of those players to communicate that information. And then, yeah, if you're Drake may, you should get a bigger cut of that. People are going to play as North Carolina because of Drake may, but that also buy that game because of Drake may, but that also creates a conversation of do people play the NC play the NCAA games because of the players or do they play it because of the schools in the framework of the game? Yeah, that's, and that's the argument. uh, Every single time you talk about it, like when I understand where Ed O'Bannon was coming from because he was obviously an old player on the games. Like at that point, at that point they were doing a little too much, you know, but it's like, I don't know of anybody that's turning on NCAA 14 because they're like, Oh, I'm going to play with Jeff Woody. That's what I want to do today. You know? Oh, I want to play with Denard Robinson. That's what I want to do. No, they're like, no, I want to go play with Michigan. I want to go play with Iowa state. I want to play with Nebraska. It's like, you could put any random people in there and it doesn't matter if it's the guys that are on the team or not, the framework of the game, the schools, all that kind of stuff. People will buy that and people don't give a shit whether or not the kids are in the game. Like that's where I think it ultimately comes down to. So it's like, if you're asking for more, like you don't have to make the game. You don't have to do any of these kinds of things. You literally just sign up and put your name in the game, you know? So it's like, I don't understand why anybody would ever be worked up about that. But I can also say like, no one negotiated it. So like, I can see where you'd be pissed. You'd like, well, why didn't have any say in this? Well, nobody did. (laughs) Nobody did. And if you want to be part of it, cool. If not, cool. Nobody cares. You know? So it's like, I, if I'm a player, I'd hope that nobody signs up. I hope I'm the only person that signs up because I'm getting all that money because I know that this game is going to sell whether people sign up to put their name in it or not. Well, I, I still think that there is, the, the underneath that though, is why would someone want to play as Alabama if Alabama didn't have the historical player pedigree of Alabama. But can't you just juice it up? It's like based on their prestige, their prestige, you know, in the game, it's like you juice it up and it's just random players. And same thing, but where is, why would, why would more fans want to sign up casually to play as Alabama or Georgia, if not for Stetson Bennett and, uh, or Ohio state with Marvin Harrison jr. Why would you not want to play with those universities or schools that have a higher level of prestige because of the quality of player that they have. And therefore you have a quality team. And so I'm sure people still played with the San Francisco giants on MLB, the show 2003, when Barry Bonds wasn't in the game. 
Well, sure, but it was probably, I mean, it, it's hard to quantify what the value of that individual player is because if your team, you know, let's say you wipe, you wipe all the rosters off and you make, uh, you know, whatever, you make the Ohio State receiving core all 5'10 fast guys and you know that none of them then are Marvin Harrison Jr., are you as a player, you're still probably going to play Ohio State as Ohio State because um, most, most, most here, like most people, most circumstances in most situations, or most people, most of the time in most situations, uh, most, 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 like you're going to play with Ohio State. But the fringe group, how big is that fringe group that only want to play with that guy? Like mm-hmm. I, as a fan, I would play with Iowa State probably, but I also think it would be fun if I could play with, find a mobile quarterback that I really like from watching last year's whatever, and I want to play with that team instead. How how many of those decisions? It's not the majority, but it's a not insignificant minority that are going to play or purchase or uh, contribute in a way that is specific to players or play styles that are dependent upon the players. So it's this gray blob in the middle of... Yes, the majority of the value of the contract of the marketing for Iowa State football is on the logo and this the program itself. But there's an again a not insignificant portion that is the players within there and how much is that worth? Who knows. We do you have no idea what the value of those individual players are to the greater whole that is the Iowa State football program or insert college program here. Well, let me ask you this. When you were a player, if they said, All right, we're gonna continue to make the NCAA football game, you gotta log on to an app, you gotta agree to allow us to use your name, image, and likeness. In exchange, you're gonna get five hundred dollars. Would you have agreed to that deal? Uh, th- to to be super simplistic, sure. But now let's flip that around. Let's say that the total value of that payout to the players is make them money, $5 million that they've, that they've done. And I signed that contract for five million or $500 that I get myself and the game. And let's say to the, 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 it's not going to be this case, not going to be this high, but let's say it is, let's say the NCAA's cut of that to be dispersed to the schools. The NCAA won't get any cut or to the dispersed to the schools or yeah, whatever, to because the schools, they, yeah. to, to the, the, the cut that goes to the schools is uh, $70 million. And the cut that EA sports takes is $500 million. Well, I saw that the game was making 80 million year a year. Okay. So Before. I guess again, just imaginary numbers. Yeah. And if I've got an imaginary number that then says they actually have the capacity EA sports or the universities actually had an extra million dollars a year that they're just pocketing to a sales rep or a guy who works on the typeface and they have an extra million dollars that they're doing that I could have, instead of getting $500, I could have gotten $6,000 had that been negotiated differently. Would I be still happy with my $500? I mean, sure, it's 500 bucks. I'm not going to be mad about that, but would it be better had I gotten a more fair shake of that per, of that purse or of that purse that I, if I had negotiated it better in the first place, but there is no negotiating party on the other side of the players. Yeah, and that that's where I feel like it's you've got to take what you can get sometimes. You know, they're going to put the game out whether the players are in it or not. You got to take what you can get. But is, is it going to sell if our Ohio State fans, all of them, yes. going to buy yes. without Marvin Harrison Jr.? Yes. Yes. I, most, most people most. will buy the game. Yeah, people will. But if the it, game will sell just as well if, as it did before, if not better, I, I think, think it will. will. It will. If, if you remove all player likenesses from that game and 
you are now instead of having a how long do you have to play dynasty mode on that game before you don't even have those guys on your team anymore and then you i don't care like i as a as a i'm not an avid like such an avid player of the game that i'm I'm going to play that mood, play that thing forever, forever, forever. Like most people are, I'm in that. I feel like I'm in that gray minority where, um, I would like to see what I could do with, this is a funny thing. Could I make Iowa's offense better? If Can I you have, average if I, 25 points a game, if make myself half a million dollars, but like if I, if you take that or could I make, you know, fill in the blank on a bad defense, like, could I make that defense better? If I had that exact personnel, could I do that? And that's what I would buy that game for is I'm in that fringe where I don't want to necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily buy it and only play with one group because it has the logo on it. I would want to play with the players that are there because it's representative of what's actually in on the game. So like, most people that are going to buy that game are in the camp like you are, which is, I don't give a shit. I'm playing with Iowa state regardless, or I'm, I'm playing with Ohio state regardless, but there's a not insignificant portion that will only buy it. If it's rep representative of the team that is out there, what is that portion worth? I don't know. I, I just think at the end of the day, when there's how, how many college football student athletes are there? 133 schools, roughly a hundred people, a team. How many is that? Lots. It's a lot. Say this game makes $80 million. Say the players are going to get 10% of it. They get $8 million. You guys split $8 million between what? 100,000 people? I know that math is wrong. That's, that math is wrong. 10,000 people? Let's call it 10,000. 10,000 people. So then what? 8 million divided by 10,000 is what? 800? 800 bucks. 800 bucks. There you go. Everybody gets the same amount unless you're on the cover. And, and then even, so then we get into the process of regulating everyone's worth the same. And I, and this is, man, this is such a rabbit hole. So if, if you are a backup, you mentioned that like third string punter for Toledo, do you bring the same market value as the starting running back for even Indiana? Probably not. So do you deserve the same cut? Maybe. Like that's collective bargaining with the, and that's where we, <laughs> do you know so, what, do you know what the NFL players association has collectively bargained for their players to get from Madden? What? Zero dollars. Interesting. So that is what, who is the, who is the bargaining agent on behalf of the players then? The players association. So I'm, I'm dead serious. So Madden doesn't play for the, pay the players. The players association owns those players likenesses. And then the player association pays the players. They don't pay them anything. Really? I'm dead serious. I looked this up. They don't get paid anything for Madden. They don't get paid anything for being in Madden unless you're on the cover. That is shocking. So that's where I'm saying, like, if you're in that game for five years and you make 800 bucks a year, you made $3,000 to be in a video game that you didn't have to do anything but sign your name up to be in. Which is, yeah, it's a good deal. Is it the best deal though? Like that's the, that's the question is, is it is good, but is it the best? And like, there's a difference. This is the thing that I was thinking about with name. I've had this argument with the name, image and likeness argument discussion with, uh, generally speaking, it's an older population that is having that conversation because they grew up upon amateurism. I didn't grow up on amateurism. I grew up on wanting to get fair worth. And so there's a difference between good and fair and good the fact that I got a full ride scholarship is unquestionably good. Like it changed the fact that 
I, I would have, I would still have student loans right now. Were that the case? And I would also have a lot more stress on being able to pay for the school, being able to get everything through it. So the full ride scholarship was unquestionably good. I still had to pay. There was a time when I got a flat tire and I had to have my mom wire me a hundred dollars because I got $600 a month for rent, groceries, utilities, everything. I couldn't afford to pay for a hundred dollar flat tire. Meanwhile, the, the year that that happened, the Iowa State University Athletic Department brought in $55 million. Is it fair that I got $600 of that when my name and image was plastered all over everything? I don't think so. But fair is determined not by good. And so good, is it good that I got a full ride? Absolutely. Is it fair that other people made money off of me that I didn't make? No. And so that's where, is it good? Yes. Is it fair? I don't know. Like who's, who's that to who's to say? See, and that's where it comes back to like, that's an issue with the schools and the players. That's not, doesn't like this game. This is a business that's trying to run a business. They want to make a game and they're like, here, you have the opportunity to be in the game. If you want to be in the game, like, and there's no competing entities here. There's one game, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. how are you getting a better deal? What leverage do you have to get a better deal? You know? Unless you're going to be on the cover again, like, and I, and I'm all there for that. If someone's going to be on the cover, if they have a couple, a handful of guys that they're going to like push really hard in the marketing, absolutely. Those guys should be making a million or more, you know, absolutely. But if you're just like a random Joe Schmo, like there's no, re like, that's where I just have a problem with like the idea that's like, oh, we're not compensating them enough. What did they do? Well, and it's just, it falls into that. What is the value of the athlete to the program that they're part of? And that's the question that needs to be answered in a way that. And that's where it should, there should be some sort of framework with the schools where it's like that there should be some sort of elevator systems to where then they have to share their revenue. But if you have, you have to make some sort of certain contribution to be able to meet the elevator system, you and, know, and that's, but the thing is, that's a should, and that, that's not an is, and that's what requires a, a student athlete union in order to negotiate these things. And they have to be able to be employees in order for that to happen. And we need this to not pass Congress in order for them to be employees. Like it all comes back full circle. Like there's so many things that they're trying to prevent here that they're preventing us from even answering some of these questions. Like we can't even fix some of this stuff because they're going to preemptively prevent it, you know? So it's like, how dumb is that? <laughs> how dumb is that? We know that these things should be fixed. We know that these things are probably not right. So we're just going to be like, yeah, I don't know. We're kind of going to lock ourselves into it. Yeah. And that seems like a killer idea. Yep. Seems and like a killer idea. Again, it's in the, we know that we know that it's wrong, but it's worked for a while. So like we can't change it, which is dumb. Yep. The way it's always been done. So it should be done in the future. So no matter, no matter the answer, that's probably good. I don't know. We've gone 51 minutes. I feel like, uh, this is a pretty natural stopping point. We don't even need to get into our other topics. Honestly, you're saying, do you want to kick me out, Jared? No, I'm just saying, I mean, we've gone 51 minutes and we just said, like, we, <laughs> we talked about things that we really didn't anticipate talking about. So I think, well, we stayed mostly on track. We did stay mostly on track once we got started. Thanks for listening to mostly on track. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you again next week. Peace.